0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to Labor Relations Radio. I have with me a guest by the name of Nolani Kahapea, who is with the Association of American Educators. Nolani, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Peter? Good. So I mentioned before I hit the record button, I really wanted to introduce our audience to you or to the organization um, because you are not a teacher's union, quote, you know, union per se, but you are an association of educators. Can you yes. tell us about you?
1: Yeah. So I work for the Association of American Educators. We're the largest non-union professional educators association. Um, and we serve at thousands of educators in all 50 states. We're nonpartisan, non-political, and really here to support the needs of professional educators so that they are able to focus on educating their students Um, and one of the biggest benefits and one of the biggest reasons a lot of educators join AAE is for our liability insurance. We offer a $2 million liability insurance uh, policy and legal protection um, in addition to some other benefits that I can talk about.
0: Okay, so let me stop you there and clarify for the listeners why a teacher would need a $2 million liability policy.
1: Yeah, so... Being a teacher, you know, there's a lot of opportunity um, for you to get in a situation where a parent might misunderstand a situation or you might get uh, legal action brought against you. We've seen teachers who are, you know, sued by parents. Um, They have um, issues with violent students or student injuries happening in the classroom and they need legal protection um, or liability insurance. Uh, also if they are, they feel they're being discriminated or if they are working in a hostile working environment with the administration, um, first amendment violations, if they feel threatened by parent or guardian, there's a lot of different situations that a liability insurance and job protection policy would, um, cover them. But these are just some of the main ones that we've seen come across our desk.
0: Yeah. I I mentioned a few minutes ago, um, one of my best friends growing up is a high school teacher, out mm-hmm. where we grew up in Arizona. And he's not necessarily pro union per se, but he is a member of the teachers union out there. And when I first talked to him, I'm going back probably 15 or 20 years ago, I was like, "Interesting that you're a member of the union." And he said it's because of the insurance. Yeah. And I and I think a lot of people who don't deal with teachers don't understand what happens sometimes if they're falsely accused in mm-hmm. of doing something in the classroom.
1: Yeah, and that's something that we hear about a lot is that a lot of teachers maybe don't agree with the politics of the union. Um, You know, if you're a teacher, you have to belong usually to the local, the state and the national. And so a lot of times they'll disagree with the state or the national level policies, um, but they won't leave because of the liability insurance. And so AAE is one way and um, our membership is much cheaper than the union typically, Um, especially in a place like California, union dues can be close to $1,200 and ours are closer to $200. Ours are $234 annually, and that includes a $2 million liability insurance policy. So you can get the protection without the politics and at a discounted rate.
0: So do you have members who are both union members as well as association members?
1: Yes, you can be both if you want to, um, but usually uh, teachers will opt out of the union membership when they join us. But if you want to be both, you can be both.
0: Okay. so we replace I've,
1: I've... a lot of the benefits that the union provides, which is why they usually don't feel they need to double pay.
0: <laughs> right. However, you don't engage in collective bargaining with the local school districts, right?
1: Correct. And that's actually one of the biggest misconceptions about Union membership is that if you opt out of union membership and join AAE, you're going to lose access to all of your contract terms. So, health insurance, PTO, seniority, your pay, your pay raises, or any other benefits that are provided within your teaching contract. Um, but unions have what's known as exclusive bargaining, which means that the union negotiates contracts for all teachers in the unit, even non members. So, if you opt out of the union and join AAE, you're still subject to the terms of the contract. Um, the only thing that you're going to lose access to is the union provided benefits. So the liability insurance, which you can get through AAE and, um, supplementary, supplementary insurance, um, that the union might provide, which you can also get through AAE.
0: That's interesting. So yeah, yeah, that's something a lot of people overlook because that exclusive representation covers everybody, both members and non-members of the union.
1: Yes, correct. So it, it doesn't matter whether or not you are a member of the union you're still subject subject to that contract.
0: Now, I wish I had at my fingertips, but one of the things you've referenced a couple of times is you don't engage in the political activities like the AFT or NEA does, correct?
1: Yes. Yes, correct. So uh, my mom, she was a teacher for 30 years. Every year, she would get a letter telling her exactly who to vote for in every race. Um, and this is something that we will never do. We're not going to tell you who to vote for. We believe that Teachers are educated professionals that can make that decision for themselves. Um, so, we don't get involved in uh, political races or issue campaigns. Um, we won't get involved in anything that's unrelated to education. So, the NEA and the AFT, you've seen them the last few years, especially get involved in national and international affairs that don't have anything to do with education. Right. Um, but that's something that we don't do. We don't pick sides. We're nonpartisan. We'll work with anybody for the good of students and teachers. Um, so yeah, that's a big difference between us and NEA for sure, and AFT.
0: Well, interestingly, and by coincidence, we posted an article this morning on Labor Union News that was the teachers union, or I think both teachers unions have come out on Gaza and the yeah. ceasefire on Gaza. So you. That's one of the ones you, I
1: was thinking about. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and you know, I'm an old union member from. 35, 40 years ago, and I always found the unions that got involved in politics, especially things that did not involve union membership, was a mistake because it alienates your own membership
1: Yeah, a segment of it. You know, teachers are different. They're not all the same. They don't have the same beliefs. And so we believe that your professional education, professional educators association should respect that and let you have your beliefs and really focus on, the education part of it, because that's what we're here for. We're here to support educators um, and whatever your other political beliefs, that's, you know, your, your business, that's what you believe. And that's great. It's great that we have a variety of perspectives. It's important.
0: So I live in a state that has no collective bargaining rights for public sector workers. Mm -hmm. And there's a a few States like this. Um, And interestingly enough, I do have, friends and family members now here in the state who are not members of the union i think one was but the union the unions here in the state have no say in terms of wages benefits working conditions things like that but they still have a the unions have a presence here mm-hmm. and in states that have collective bargaining rights for example massachusetts nevada just had a big teacher strike with clark county teachers mm-hmm. And, you know, what do you do for the, well, the association members who are in states that don't have any collective bargaining rights? Do you do advocacy for them?
1: Yeah, so we do advocacy. Um, One thing that we truly believe is that educators need to be at the table when education policy is being discussed. And so we are here to help support and train our educators who are interested in getting more involved um if they want to write op-eds if they want to get involved in you know testifying at the legislature we can support them there uh but there are also some other issues that we uh do advocate on for on behalf of our educators and one of them is the educator expense deduction uh, which is a tax deduction which allows teachers to deduct up to 300 of classroom supplies um off of their taxes the problem is um the average educator spends closer to $670 on supplies. And if you work in a lower income district, it's closer to $700. Um, and these are basic classroom supplies. Sometimes it's even basic necessities for students like to- toothbrushes, feminine hygiene products, or deodorant. Um, and so this is one thing that we'd like to see increase. We'd like to see it increase to $1,000. Uh, this is a policy that's supported by 94% of teachers, and it's not surprising because almost a- I think it's about 97% of teachers spend money their own money on um classroom supplies out of pocket. And so this is an example of a, an issue that is directly related to education that will advocate for, for for teachers um in politics but not, you know, being political about it.
0: Right, it's it's a bipartisan issue if you will. Yeah. Do you- so you don't do anything with wages because that's the other big thing hear. Yes. And, and I should mention where I am without collective bargaining rights, it also happens to be a right-to-work state. So the unions mm-hmm. are always clamoring about right-to-work states and the pay is yeah. less and et cetera. Do you do anything with pay?
1: No, we don't. So most teachers, because of that exclusive representation, they are whatever contract is negotiated by the union is the one that they're subject to. If it were, you know... We would love to see teachers to be able to negotiate um, individual contracts so that they can kind of make those decisions, you know, say, oh, I want to take less PTO for higher pay. But at this point, most teachers have to um, be a part of the union negotiated contract. And so we don't get involved in the bargaining of that.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking for the, the ones that don't do collective bargaining, if you do state level advocacy. Mm hmm for yes, yeah. or stuff like that
1: um i mean we'll we'll we support you know like um in arkansas they recently wa- raised the starting pay for teachers and so of course we support that like in terms of advocacy and um at the legislature but we don't actually do the bargaining part of it but we support and will advocate for teachers in terms of you know higher higher wages of course we believe teachers sh- are vastly underpaid for the amount of work that they do.
0: Okay, so it's it's somewhat lobbying without necessarily the politicization of it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah so we, we, we advocate, I, I hesitate with the word lobby, because we don't have any lobbyists, but we definitely do support you know issues that are, are specific to our teachers.
0: Right. Well, and you're not spending millions of dollars on politics either.
1: Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, there was a report that came out from Illinois Policy Institute recently that said about eight um, percent of the dues of member dues are spent on representation um, from NEA and the Illinois Educators Association. The rest, the other 92 percent are spent on politics, admin and other priorities. So it just gives you a good idea of you know how much of your dues are actually being spent on the representation part and the collective bargaining part.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. let me ask you from what are you hearing from teachers with respect to returning to schools post pandemic
1: um well that was a big you know transition when we went mostly or fully virtual in most states and then are going back into the classroom uh definitely learning loss is a big thing that we're still trying to address and and focus on um and you know we've seen a lot of educators who are struggling with um violent students in the classroom and how to handle that and just making sure that they have the support from admin and from you know the parents and the community because that's a really difficult situation for a teacher to be in um and so that's you know one thing that we've heard a lot from our legal department is that there's been a kind of an increase in the disciplinary issues with with their students um which is unfortunate but you know a lot of these students were out of school for a year sometimes more than that yeah. um and so they didn't have the support of the counselors and their teachers and you know interaction with other students and so that's one thing that we have seen recently
0: yeah it's interesting i had a uh... Well, I've done a few episodes with teachers, um, one mm-hmm. of whom is here in the state, but she came from California, and I asked her what she has seen post-pandemic with students, and she said um, a general lack of empathy, mm. and in part because all the kids have been on their phones for several years, yeah, and they're just watching these TikTok videos or Instagram of crashes or people getting killed, and and mm-hmm. it's affected them where they just laugh about it
1: oh that's not surprising but it's definitely heartbreaking and it's you know a prime example of how extended school closures were not necessarily in the best interest of students um the NEA and the AFT would now will try to say oh we were trying to get schools open but you know they were one yeah. of the organizations that were really pushing to keep schools closed
0: well and um, I asked that it, because I know Randy Weingarten has taken a ton of heat due to her advocacy for school closures up until mm-hmm. she said no <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> so She's like she was for school closures closures until she wasn't. but
1: yeah, um, yeah, it, it was definitely a, diff- a difficult situation, but you can't go back and rewrite what happened.
0: <laughs> no, I I guess I'm kind of looking for solutions on how to overcome what's been the damage that's been done. And if you're seeing it or is it still going on, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, that's a very important question that that we're trying to figure out like the learning loss and the behavioral um, aspect of it. Um, and so I think the solutions really need to be, at, come together at the local level because I say this all the time. I'm from Hawaii. The people the communities in Hawaii, a school district in Hawaii is vastly different from um, a community in New York City or rural right. Arkansas. It's very different. So for education, a lot of the solutions need to come from the community because that community knows the students best. It knows the families best there and kind of what the big issues are within that um, within that community. So it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all solution.
0: So that, that brings me back to the association. Do you folks have a seat at the table when it comes to those types of discussions or is it all being dictated by the NEA and AFT?
1: Yeah. So it definitely helps when we have a larger amount of members. So our biggest chapter is in Arkansas. And so we are always, you know, included in the discussions because, you know, we have a good, um, membership there. And so it, yeah, we, like I've said, or like I said, um, we just really think that it's important for teachers to be part of that. It can't be done without them. You know, you can't have these discussions and then come to them after and ask their opinion about <laughs> about it. They need to be part of the discussion about and a, a part of the policymaking as it's happening because they're the ones who are in the trenches. They're the ones who are in the classrooms who are seeing the issues, who are seeing the things that are happening. And so we do our best to really plug our teachers into that those situations with some of our partners, our state level partners, um, so that a real educator can be part of that discussion.
0: Yeah, so I guess that kind of goes to the structure. You folks Mm -hmm. have a national structure, and then you have, what, state-level chapters?
1: Yes, yes. Um, So we have chapters, and we're expanding to a 50-state chapter model where we're going to have regional directors in every area, but we serve members in all 50 states, whether or not you're um, in Alaska or oregon or florida we have educators in every state and our benefits cover you in every state uh and yeah
0: so let me come back to like arkansas for example if something's mm-hmm. happening say the school closure issue or yeah you know you send out what newsletters that are state specific or emails yes. state specific
1: yes so arkansas has like their a chapter they send out state specific stuff there. um we have staff on the ground in Arkansas who are able to answer any questions um, that you might have. You might see them in schools around Arkansas. Um, and, yeah, they're really there to support the needs of, of our members and our um, potential members there in the state.
0: So list out a couple of the other states where you've got a, a higher density.
1: Yeah. So we've got, um, Kansas, Nebraska, uh, we've got the Pacific Northwest. So Washington, Oregon, Idaho, uh, Georgia, these are some of the ones, New Jersey. We have a good amount of members as well. Um, so those are oh, some of the ones. That's interesting in bigger, New Jersey. Yeah. yeah it, is. Um, it's, it, it is. I I've always thought that as well. So these uh, are Colorado likely,
0: these are likely folks who are part of the NJEA. The Education mm-hmm. Association of of New Jersey, yep, part of NEA, and mm-hmm. also are members as well of a, a <laughs> i getting all the EAs confused, <laughs> but yeah, it depends. Members of it your depends, association, yeah. right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. So, have do you know if they've dropped membership of say the NJEA?
1: Most have. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes. Most most will drop their their union membership. Um, and this is actually one thing that I can touch on is uh, this is one of the biggest differences between AAE and a union. A lot of unions make it really difficult for you to leave. <laughs> of course, they don't want to lose their members. Um, and so they all have something that's called an opt-out window, which will only allow them to leave the union during a certain time of the year. Mm-hmm. And what makes it really confusing is that it's completely different <laughs> wherever you live. Um, Even if you're in the same state, it can be different. Um, So the opt-out window can be as short as two weeks, even a week, I think, in some places, or closer to a month. Um, California's is super confusing. If If you're trying to opt out of the California Federation of Teachers, this is when you have to submit your letter. Not less than 30 days and not more than 45 days before the annual anniversary date of this agreement or the date of the termination of the applicable contract between the employer and the local, whichever occurs sooner. That's really confusing. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and it's, it's different for every teacher. Um. And so we will never limit you to when you want to enter. If you want to end your membership, we'll never limit you as to when you can do that. If you decide you, AAE membership is not right for you, you can opt out right away and go back to the union if that's what you want to do. But with the union, they make it really hard for you to opt out And if you miss that opt-out window, you're going to have to wait another year in most cases to opt out. So sometimes it's even worse. In parts of Nebraska, you have to opt out in the month of May. And if you miss that window by one day, say you try to opt out on June 1st, your membership will not end until September of the following year. So that's 16 months that you're paying dues to an organization that you're trying to opt out of that might be advocating for issues that you don't agree with. Um, We think this is one of – just so disrespectful to teachers. Um, And this is one of the areas that we do that, like, state-level advocacy to try to change because we think educators should be able to make those um, association decisions whenever they want, not during a specific time of the year. Um, And, you know, it should be a lot easier to understand than, you know, the California one. Um, But this is one of the the big differences as well between – NEA and AFT and AE.
0: So I have a side question to this, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you're going to be able to answer it. You might. Did the Janus decision that exempted public sector workers from Mm -hmm. mandatory unions, did that impact educators throughout the country as well?
1: Yes, it did. Um, So it mostly impacted educators in states that were not right to work. Right. So if you had to pay a fair share fee or an agency fee as it's sometimes called, though those agency fees disappeared as soon as Janus happened. So in some states you were required to pay union dues even as a non-member. And because of Janus, that's no longer the case. If you decide to opt out, you don't have to pay dues at all to the union. But, you know, Janus really hit on the fact that the you had to have clear consent from an educator to be able to deduct union dues. And we think that this go, you know, these opt-out windows go against the spirit of Janice because again, you're collecting from union dues from people who don't want to be members, sometimes for a year or more. And so these these uh, efforts to remove opt-out windows are sometimes called Janice implementation legislation because we're trying to make sure that the spirit of Janice is followed by not forcing teachers to pay dues to a union.
0: Now, there's a reason I asked that because mm-hmm. when you mention opting out, um, I've had the freedom foundation on several people from the freedom foundation on over the last couple yeah. of years. And they have this opt out today, which mm-hmm. is a app. It's a website where if you go on there, it's opt out, opt Yeah. And it's got every state on there. And I'm wondering like, does it have the California, I'm on California's page, California mm-hmm. Faculty Association. So they have literally every public sector union on there, Oakland Education mm-hmm. Association. So now you you don't have a partnership or anything with Opt Out Today or Freedom Foundation, right?
1: So we work with all um, groups, you know, because we think that, so if a teacher opts out, if they have a replacement for their liability insurance, if they have an alternate alternative association like AAE, if they have that membership in place, they're less likely to go back to the union. And so we work with all the different organizations, you know, in Illinois, in uh, Michigan, Freedom Foundation, to um, help them provide that alternative um, professional association for educators. But there's, like, a lot of different organizations that do that. There's also teacherfreedom.org, which has, like, a similar... Hmm. a map where you can go on and it'll help you to opt out of the union. Um, So yeah, we, we work with everyone.
0: I'm, I'm looking up as you, you just mentioned that. (laughs) It's and the reason, you know, when we're talking about opt out the Janice Mm -hmm. decision and all that sort of stuff, I don't know that a lot of teachers know about these alternatives, which is part of the reason I wanted to get you on the podcast because a lot of folks feel that they're (laughs) trapped. I don't like the way that, you know, NJEA is, lobbying against my individual rights or something like that. But there are yeah. alternatives.
1: Yes, there are. And, you know, there are there are others, but we are the largest. And, you know, again, a lot of people will join us for our liability insurance. And our liability insurance is a really good policy. <laughs> Ours covers up to $2 million. Uh, the NEA's actually only covers up to $1 million. Uh, and there's actually some other important distinctions that I want to mention Mm-hmm. The liability insurance that we provide is in the educator's name with the other organizations. It's not in their name directly in their name. It's in, you know, NEA of tier or whatever um, the state level union. So the union can determine whether or not it's in their best interest to allow you to access that representation. Your benefits aren't guaranteed because it's not in your name. And so if there's a case Where there's too many claims, they could say, "Well, we're not going to provide representation." Um, Also, if you're called, say you're called into a disciplinary meeting, you've got the administration there, you've got yourself, you've got maybe a union provided lawyer. But the union provided lawyer's primary objective is to protect the union's interests. Sometimes that aligns with yours, but that's not always necessarily the case. So when you join AE, the policy's in your name. You can get a lawyer there who is. There for your your interests directly, um, and that's a very important distinction that most that's people don't a huge, realize about their policy.
0: That is a huge distinction because yes. I bet you there's probably, and I'm just rough guessing this, but seventy five percent of the teachers out there that are members of the union who are doing it for the insurance don't realize mm-hmm. that the union is the one that controls whether or not they're going to tap into that insurance.
1: Yep, exactly. And then there's like some. Specific situations, for example, a threat to your, your teaching license, that's included in our policy, um, and that's not directly included in NEA's policy. The NEA could provide an an attorney at their discretion, but it's not guaranteed.
0: At their discretion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, at their
0: discretion. Yeah. So that's similar to the similar to private sector unions and a lot of union members think that, you know, if I get fired from my job, the union has to stick up for me. And that is not Mm -hmm. the case. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they can show that they represented you, they have the right to control how much money they spend on that representation.
1: Yeah. And if it's not in their best interests, you know, right. And they don't have to try hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, you want somebody who's there for you. And that's what the AE policy provides is you, and if you have your own lawyer that you like, that you already work with, you can use that. We can help you find a lawyer if you don't have one. Um, but you really want somebody who's there looking out for you, looking out for your best interests in these, these situations because it's, they could be life-changing, you know?
0: Yeah. That, that's a huge distinction, which I mm-hmm. didn't really think about until you just said that.
1: Yeah. Most people don't realize that <laughs> about right. their policy.
0: Wow. So how do you do outreach? How do you get to these teachers? I, I mentioned before I hit the record button that the only way I know about you is I happened to be at a conference where I was passing mm-hmm. by the vendor booths and I saw one that said, AAE. Yeah, you know, 15 years ago.
1: Yeah. So we'll go to these conferences. Um, with educators, uh, we also do in-school recruiting um, for states where we have staff that are there on the ground. They'll go into schools and talk about AE. That's another kind of a struggle that sometimes our staff has. The union is will be guaranteed access to teachers. We are not necessarily always guaranteed. It's up to the administration to allow us to present the alternative. Um, but so we'll do in in-person. Um, we also, you know, do online marketing. But if we have an educator who says, hey, you know, this happens a lot. We will have a member who's like, hey, I love AAE. I love my benefits. I love your organization. I would love for more of my colleagues to learn about you. And so we'll put on um, a Zoom meeting for them and talk about the benefits and kind of answer any questions that they might have. So we're happy to do that as well. Um, but those are our main uh, ways that we kind of get the word out there and from word of mouth a lot of our members will come to us through word of mouth because they have a teacher friend who is a member of ours oh and the other thing is that we're not just limited our membership is not limited to teachers uh, anybody who gets a w2 from a school uh can be a member so all the support personnel um bus drivers are all eligible for a e membership
0: oh really yes well as long as they're employees of the school what about yes what about if they bus drivers school yes okay so bus drivers that are employed by a subcontractor that subcontracts busing services first student for example is a big subcontractor for school districts
1: um i'm not sure about that i don't want to say yes and be wrong i know that if you get a w-2 from a school district you are eligible for membership i'm not sure about subcontracting i would think so but i would want to double check on that
0: yeah because they're private employers that schools Mm -hmm. subcontract the bus services through and it's not just for students, yeah. like, you know, dozens or hundreds out there. But yeah, I had another question I wanted to ask you and I can't think of it. Oh, I know. <laughs> so in this era, mm-hmm. kind of post pandemic and post shutdowns, et cetera, teachers unions taking a lot of hits on the, the center, right? Randy Weingarten, etc. Are you seeing an uptick in membership or is it, you know, is the political or the politics starting to impact you negatively, positively?
1: Oh, yeah. We are definitely seeing a lot more interest from educators, especially kind of post-pandemic. And as we were going through the pandemic, a lot of people really got to see their union in action and the types of policies that they were advocating for um, and how they were trying to force these one size fits all policies on schools and, um, communities and teachers. And so, yeah, we definitely have seen an increase in interest, um, among teachers for, you know, an alternative to kind of the traditional union membership.
0: What about parents? Do you engage with them?
1: Uh, not as much because, you know, we're, we're really a teachers association. We're really focused on the needs of the teachers and the students, um, so we don't have as much, I mean, we'll talk with parent groups, um, but we're not as involved, you know, directly with parents, uh, but okay. a lot of our, I mean, of course, a lot of our teachers are parents. Um, I think, oh, I don't know what the statistic is. I think it's, you know, maybe two thirds or something like that are right. of teachers, are parents.
0: Well, yeah, that would make sense. Okay. I'm just curious because I would think some of your, the parent groups out there would be good advocates for you as well. In terms of boosting membership.
1: Yeah, so well, uh, we have you know collaborated with with the parent groups in the past, but our, our again, our primary audience are teachers.
0: So, another side question: um, We've seen this upsurge in trans issues and furries. I had a couple uh, students on. Last year, about a year and a half ago, actually, mm-hmm. talking about the furries in their school district. And mm-hmm. do you guys take positions on any of that stuff? Like the teachers have got to be coming to you and saying, oh, I've got this kid who's identifying as a cat. You know, what do I do with them?"
1: Yeah, it's definitely a very difficult situation. And um, fascinating,
0: actually, it's kind of
1: funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this is something that's come up. It's something that we haven't taken an official position on. Um, but we, what we have done is, is, and we'll do this, you know, with any issue, uh, is that we'll survey our members and kind of get an idea of kind of where they're standing, whether or not they want, um, more support or kind of like the resources that they need and how, um, they feel about certain issues. And so we'll be more of in like issues like this will be more of a, um, information, informational source for people, as opposed to just coming out right out and saying, you know, Taking a specific position on some of these more controversial, controversial issues, um, or difficult issues. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, Noelani, tell me what the listeners should know that you're yeah. out there and and there for the teachers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, uh, our benefits: a two million dollars liability insurance policy. With legal protection, we provide teacher scholarships and classroom grants, a discount um, program. So if they get disc- our members get discounts on foods, shopping, and travel. We have a portal for that. Uh, access to professional um, development opportunities, discounted supplemental insurance policies, and this is all for 19.50 a month, which is 234 dollars annually. Oh, uh, before we go, I do want to mention one other thing. Um, a lot of our members, I think you kind of alluded this to this. Um, they join the union because they support their local and the work that the local does for collective bargaining. Um, but what a lot of educators don't realize is that a very small percentage of their dues are staying in the local school district. So, for example, if you look at the San Diego Educators Association, the dues to be a member are about twelve hundred dollars. And, um, you have to be part of the local, the state union and the national union. You can't just pick one. Um, and so the local only gets about $280 of that $1,200. Another 200 goes to the NEA. So the national affiliate and almost $800 goes to the state level union. So only about 20% is staying with your local. So If a teacher wanted to still support the local and the work with collective bargaining, they could opt out of the union, donate three hundred dollars to the San Diego Educators Association, join AE for the liability insurance and still be saving, you know, upwards of five hundred to seven hundred dollars on dues. Um, And so it's just it's just very interesting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so you can save a lot. You know, we don't get involved in politics. We focus on educators and our students we're not going to tell you who to vote for um and if you decide that a membership isn't for you then that's fine we won't make you stay for a year paying dues to an organization that you don't support but you know we're really here to to support educators and to make sure that they're able to do their job in the classroom and not have to worry about the politics of the union or the politics um of the classroom or you know, just to make sure that they're protected and able to do their job.
0: That's terrific. Well, Mm -hmm. Noelana Kahapaya, thank you so much for coming on Labor Relations Radio.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you.
0: Sure. Come back anytime.
1: Oh, I'd be happy to.
0: Thanks. So that was Noelani Kahapaya. Senior Director of Policy and Advocacy for the Association of American Educators. And as always, I'm going to leave some links under the audio portion of this episode. But if you're in education, a teacher or somebody who gets a W-2 from a school, you may want to check them out because they are not into the politics as so many other unions are. And you probably pay a fraction of what you're paying for better insurance. In any case, that wraps up another episode of Labor Relations Radio. I'm your host, Peter List. And if you want to reach out, you can reach out on X, the app formerly known as Twitter, at Workplace Report. That's at Workplace RPT. Give us a call at 1 888 668 6466 or leave a comment under the audio portion of this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great week.
1: My Whoa, black
0: cream. To that place.
1: You have been Why listening,
0: listening to Labor Relations, relations Radio. Away. Hey, Labor Relations Radio listeners. This is just a quick reminder. If you enjoy Labor Relations Radio, make sure you share these episodes with your colleagues. And make sure you and your colleagues visit laborunionnews.com and subscribe to our News Digest.